What's up, everybody? It's Joey Morales back to you with another episode of the Balls, Buckets, and Bull podcast. Due to some technical and uh, human difficulties, Siva was not able to make it on, and instead, I have my boy Ryan back for another episode. How are you doing? And uh, does it? Are you a little offended that I can just kind of booty call you whenever I want? Uh, I, I feel a little cheap. I mean, you literally just texted me 15 minutes ago saying, hey, do you want to do this? And of course, I just said yes. I must have low self-esteem or something. Well, that's what I need you for. All right, so we're going to finish up and wrap up these division breakdowns. And the last one we're going to do is the NFC South. And first thing we're going to talk about is the Atlanta Falcons, who last year went 11-5, and obviously lost in one of the big greatest comebacks ever in Super Bowl history last year. They had first-round pick to Karis McKinley, defensive end out of US- UCLA, Matt Ryan nearly threw for 5,000 yards, completed 69.9% of his passes, 38 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He finished second in QB scoring, and, and you know, and Atlanta had one of the most ex- explosive offensive seasons to date. Uh, Kyle Shanahan had this offense in gear, and they led the league in points per game with 33.8. Since then, he has moved on to the 49ers. You know, while there should almost certainly be a drop and regression from Ryan this offense, I still think he has all the weapons from last year. He's got a top three wide receiver in Julio Jones and uh, two great pass-catching running backs. So I think he should still be a top-seven quarterback, but I think the lack of ru- of rushing, you know, he just doesn't really run the ball that much. I think that kind of keeps him out of the top five, and uh, this regression is not going to help either. So what do you think about Matt Ryan this season, Ryan? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's good. Um, I, I really don't understand why the Falcons are as good as they are. I mean, outside of Julio Jones, I don't really see – a whole lot of production or receiving options on this team with Mohamed and Sanu, I guess Austin Hooper, but I don't know. Matty Ice continues to be a solid fantasy quarterback. Um, I've never been as high as I should on him. I just don't, I just really don't like the Falcons receiving options, but I think for sure fifth or sixth best fantasy quarterback. All right, so let's talk about the main receiving option, which is Julio Jones, who last year had 83 receptions, 1,409 yards, and six touchdowns. He finished sixth in wide receiver scoring. He is the alien at the position. He's got massive size and ability. He did miss a couple games last season with a toe injury, and he's kind of always suffered with the left foot, I believe it is. You know, you just ha- always, and like another thing too, he just hasn't gotten the end zone looks that you would expect from a guy his size with that much talent. But the coaches have come out and said that they want to make uh, get him a bigger role in the red zone, and they want him a bigger part of their plan. So I still think he's the second or third wide receiver to come off the board and probably a top five pick overall. But there is a little bit of risk. So what do you think, Ryan, and how high would you draft Julio Jones? Uh, I mean, outside of Antonio Brown, I really love Julio Jones. He's probably my second favorite wide receiver, um, probably in the same tier as like that A.J. Green type of level. I mean, he's elite. He's a monster. 1,400 yards is nothing to bat an eye at. Um, I, I believe that he's probably going to be probably the third, maybe second best receiver this year. Um, pretty solid. I don't think he's going to hit 1,400 yards again, but I can definitely see a 1,200-yard, maybe eight or nine touchdowns, maybe even double digits. I can see him getting 10 touchdowns. Definitely. You know, they always say that they want to give him a bigger red zone role. So I hope that this time they actually mean it. But all right, let's talk about the main running game. So Devonta Freeman, last year, 1,079 yards, 4.8 yards per carry and 11 touchdowns. He had also 54 receptions, 462 yards receiving and two touchdowns in the passing game. So he's the lead back in the one-two punch. He finished sixth in running back scoring last year. I think he also benefited greatly from the Falcons having such an explosive offense. I think there's a regression in total scoring coming from Atlanta. And I think the departure of Kyle Shanahan 
and the presence of Tevin Coleman are all the main reasons why he's likely to have a scoring drop this year from last season. So I personally, though, would still pick him as a sixth running back off the board just because he's able to do it in both facets of the running back role. So where do you see Devontae Freeman this season and what uh, amongst running backs, how high would you draft him? Uh, Yeah, honestly, I'm not. I'm not huge on Devontae Freeman this year. I think last year was a complete outlier. And if you got him, you caught lightning in a bottle. Congratulations. But this year, I don't think it's going to happen. The Falcons line is a little more improved this year. Uh, You got Alex Mack from uh, Cleveland, who is probably my favorite center playing the game right now. All pro has been for like a while now, but I don't, I don't know. It's just like Atlanta also plays like the hot hand. So sometimes you'll see Tevin Coleman come in and steal like carries. And sometimes he can actually like supersede Freeman as like the lead back. Um, I definitely don't think that he's going to be able to put up those monster 40 point games that he was last year, but I think he's a solid running back probably towards like the lower end of the running back one tier. Um, he, he's not elite. I wouldn't draft him as elite. I, I'd be a little worried if your number one running back was Devonte Freeman, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he can do it again this season. Yeah. So let's talk about the number two in the offense. That's Tevin Coleman, 520 yards, 4.4 yards per carry, eight touchdowns, 31 receptions, 420 yards, three touchdowns. So the backup running back finished 20th in running back scoring and to have two top 20 running backs in scoring is just really proof of how effective this offense was. You know, like the rest of these players on this offense, I don't think he's going to have as good of a season. Um, especially, you know, to get eight touchdowns for, with only 520 yards running is kind of remarkable. So I see a massive drop in touchdowns scored from Tevin Coleman. Um, but he is arguably one of the most valuable handcuffs handcuffs in fantasy to have, who you can even use even if Freeman is playing in PPR league. So what do you think about the the second punch in this offense, Ryan? Yeah, I, I'm just really worried about how many carries Tevin is going to vulture from Devontae Freeman. Um, I mean, like, we, we saw at some points that it kind of was a running back type by committee at some points. So I don't, I don't really know what to think of Coleman. I don't, there's no way that he's getting the amount of touchdowns that he is. He probably will continue to get 500 yards being that, like, second back. I could see four to 500 yards, but maybe, maybe only three to four touchdowns this year. There's no way he's hitting that number again. I totally agree. All right, so my prediction for this team is 11-5. and five. I think this team is actually capable of breaking the Super Bowl hangover curse that so happens to so many other teams. Um, and I actually think they can make the playoffs again. But what do you think about Atlanta's season this year, Ryan? Uh, I am not so high in Atlanta. I, I just I wasn't last year. I didn't think that they deserved to be in the Super Bowl. I just didn't really like their team all around. I think their defense is still a huge liability for them. Even if the offense can't put up points, there's still that defense. Um, I'm going to go 10-6. and six. So, yeah. All right. I like it. So let's talk about the Carolina Panthers next, who last year went 6-10. and 10. They had first-round pick Christian McCaffrey running back out of Stanford. So Cam Newton, Superman, last year threw for 3,509 yards, completed 52.9% of his passes, 19 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, 359 rush yards, and five touchdowns on the ground, too. He finished 17th in quarterback scoring. He had a down season, and he suffered from the Super Bowl hangover. Um, He posted a league-worst completion percentage. You know, he also had a concussion, as well as a torn rotator cuff. You know, I think he's going to have a lot, a much better season this year, and I think he's going to enjoy the help of Christian McCaffrey. You know, I like him as quarterback seven off the board, but there are some concerns that his line won't play that well. 
and uh, just in health in general. But I think she should have a better passing season uh, now that his uh, his injuries are gone. So what do you think about Superman? Uh, for fantasy purposes, I, I again, I, I don't know what it is about the MC South, but I just not a huge fan of Cam Newton. Um, I, I tend to call him Scam Newton in my leagues just because you think that you're going to get this fantasy stud, although he will help you with his feet. Um, the passing is a liability, and um, I just don't know if he can send it through the air like other quarterbacks can. He will give you production on the ground, but I I, I think there are better QB options that's going around where Cam Newton's being drafted, or you could just wait and wait for like a, like a, um, like a Mariota or somebody like that or Kirk Cousins. I'd probably go that route. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of waiting on quarterbacks. All right, so let's talk about one of his main re- uh, receivers, Kelvin Benjamin. Last year, 63 receptions, 941 yards, seven touchdowns. He finished 28th in wide receiver scoring. You know, he's the number one wide out in the offense, who, and he's always going to have touchdown scoring ability. He's a very big receiver. He actually is one of those rare receivers who isn't friendly to PPR. It's actually a better receiver to have in non-PPR just if, uh, because he's able to catch so many touchdowns. You know, he failed to catch six or more passes in 10 games. Um, but I think he should enjoy a softer passing schedule. Uh, personally, I would draft him as the 27th wide receiver off the board. So what do you think about Kelvin Benjamin this year, Ryan? Uh, I like Kelvin Benjamin. Um, like, if you look at the like the NFC South as a whole, the defenses aren't that spectacular. The Panthers probably have the best. Um, and then they played New Orleans twice. I think he's going to have huge games against that Saints D. I think he's going to be okay. I I, I predict maybe 1,000, 1,100 yards. But again, 60, 69 receptions, 70 receptions, that sounds perfect. This guy is not a possession receiver. Cam Newton is gonna, just going to be chunking balls to him, and hopefully one of them will like stick. Um, I don't know, especially in PPR, I probably would downgrade him a lot, like you said, but in standard leagues, I, I could see him being like a, like a very good wide receiver two, maybe borderline wide receiver one. All right. So let's talk about Greg Olson. Last year at 80 receptions, 1,073 yards, three touchdowns. He finished third in tight end scoring and led the team in yards. I think he's going to score more touchdowns this season. You know, to have over a thousand yards, eighty receptions, and only score three touchdowns is kind of an outlier. And I think he's still going to be the first look Cam goes to for many of his dropbacks. I think he's a solid tight end one that I would personally draft the fourth off the board, only behind Gronk, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Jordan Reed. So, what do you think about Olsen's season this year, and how uh, how high do you have him? Ever since I've been playing fantasy football, I think Greg Olson has been probably one of my favorite players only because he's so safe. This guy will give you 800 to 1,000 yards without fail every single season back to back to back. Um, I hope they involve him more in the game. I mean, uh, he's been one of the most consistent receiving options that Cam Newton's had. I really hope that he can like just be have a bigger presence in the offense, especially whenever you're throwing balls up to Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, who are not great possession receivers. Greg Olson is that guy, though. So if they can involve him more, I can see an excellent season. I can see him easily being like the second best tight end when everything's said and done. Definitely possible. So let's talk about the main running game. That's, that's uh, Christian McCaffrey. You know, the rookies look great all uh, all in the preseason. Uh, the biggest issue, I think, is how many ways that can they get him on the field? You know, Mike Shula, the offensive coordinator, has lined him up pretty much everywhere outside of uh, on the offensive line. I think he has incredible upside. I think he has great passing uh, pass catching ability uh, with also the ability to run between tackles. You know, just to see him make Luke Keekley look like a fool out there is incredible. So 
I think he has a strong case to be the rookie of the year in PBR fantasy. Um, I like him as a top 18 running back off the board. And honestly, perhaps even higher. He's definitely one of those guys where I'm getting very excited about. Uh, the, you know, the presence of Jonathan Stewart is a little concerning just because, you know, he's still going to get um, maybe the, the goal line touches, perhaps, and uh, early down work. But in terms of PBR, I love Christian McCaffrey. So what do you think of uh, the rookie season, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still a little skeptical on McCaffrey. I don't know how Mike Shula is going to use him. Um, we saw him whenever he played in college that he wasn't like your stereotypical running back. Um, he would sometimes play slot receiver. They wouldn't always give him like the amount of carries that he wants to see in the NFL. But I think as like a scat back or like a reception running back, he's going to be amazing, especially in PPR leagues. I really hope that he can overtake Jonathan Stewart. Um, although with Carolina's offense, how they always used to run it, even whenever Jonathan Stewart was on the field, they would give carries like Mike Tolbert on the goal line. So, I mean, Mike Shula is just infamous for just vulturing like, uh, like red zone carries from his running backs. So I think we're going to see the same thing with McCaffrey, but between the 20 yard lines, I think McCaffrey is going to be able to dominate, especially as like a good check down option for Cam Newton. I I think he's going to have a really good year. Me too. All right, so my prediction for this team is around 9-7. and seven. I like this team's chances of bouncing back and potentially earning a wild card spot. But, you know, if, if, if the Saints could ever get a defense, they would be a hell of a team to compete with as a division. You still have the Falcons. I think the Bucs are going to have a better season, so it's going to be hard for them to win this division. I think they're going to have to compete pretty hard. But what do you think about Carolina's chances this year as a playoff team? Uh, I don't know if I see playoffs for them. I'm I'm more of the like seven and nine, eight and eight style. Um, I, it's just on paper this is a good team, but whenever you watch them on Sundays, it's just it, it's just not clicking. Sometimes like there's just something missing to this team, and I don't I'm not totally sure what it is. It should work, but I don't know if it's going to work out this year. All right, so let's keep it going. We're going to talk about the Saints next, who last year went 7-9. They had first-round pick Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback out of Ohio State, who's playing right now as we're watching. So they had Adrian Peterson in the offseason, but they also lose Brandon Cooks and Tim Hightower. You know, last year, Drew Brees, Mr. Consistent, threw for 5,208 yards, completed 70% of his passes, 37 touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns to go along with that, finished third in quarterback scoring, you know, he's 38 years old, but he's incredibly consistent at position. And he's honestly even better in real life football than he is in fantasy football. He led this offense to a second place finish in NFL in points per game with 29.3. He had another season of over 5,000 yards. You know, he created two top 10 wide receivers in fantasy. You know, even though he loses Brandon Cooks, I think he's used to spreading the ball around and he still has great receivers to do so. So I, I see another top five season in the making. Um, and I think he's going to often just win you weeks alone just because uh, how good he is in the Superdome. So what do you think, Ryan, of Drew Brees' uh, season this year? Yeah, Drew Brees, I mean, he's, like you said, just so consistent. I mean, um, I am looking at his receiving core, and I would downgrade him maybe a little bit from last year. I'm still really skeptical that Michael Thomas can be a number one wide receiver. We'll see how that goes. But definitely, I would say third, fourth quarterback off the board, you should be taking him. All right, yeah, so let's let's talk about Michael Thomas a little bit. So 92 receptions, 1,137 yards, and nine touchdowns. He finished seventh in wide receiver scoring. You know, he had more receptions, targets, and touchdown than Brandon Cooks, and he only had 36 less receiving yards. So I actually think he can step into that wide receiver role. Um, but, you know, there is an argument that maybe the defense was uh, had more attention on Brandon Cooks, which allowed him to get so much production. But I still don't think he's going to get, like, such a massive bump in targets just because Brandon Cooks is gone. 
Uh, mostly because of what we were talking about that Breeze likes to spread it around. But I still think he's a strong wide receiver one to draft. Um, I like him around wide receiver seven. I just I think this offense is it's going to be like we've seen in years past. The defense cannot hold, stop anybody, and they're going to have to win many games by shootouts, which is very friendly for uh, for fantasy. So, what do you think about Michael Thomas's season this year, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to do a lot of fantasy drafts now that Preseason is wrapping up, and I was so surprised how high Michael Thomas is going. And and it's it's honestly kind of interesting because he's not your prototypical wide receiver one, but I feel like with Drew Brees throwing to him anybody would make you good. If if I, Drew Brees could be throwing to me and I'd look great. So I think Michael Thomas is exactly, he's going to be a middle tier wide receiver one. He's going to have great production. Um, it just really depends on how Brees tries to distribute the ball. Um, is is he going to look towards Michael Thomas like he did Brandon Cooks? I, I don't know. It, we, we just have to see. Totally agree. So Willie Sneed. So like I said, there was two top, 10 receivers last year in this offense. So let's try to find that second one that I think will uh, also come. So Willie Sneed last year had 72 receptions, 894 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, the slot receiver also benefited off of Drew Brees' 5,000-yard season. I think he finished he finished 27th in receptions, even though he was the third wide receiver in this offense. I mean, to have three wide receivers in the top 27 in receptions is ridiculous. And now that Brandon Cooks is gone... Uh, there's there's at least expectations that he should get more targets and have a bigger role. You know, with this QB, any receiver that plays meaningful snaps is going to have fantasy relevance. And I would draft around wide receiver 32. My only issue, though, is while I was writing him up in the, the recent weeks, he hasn't been shown. He hasn't been showing up in the two wide receiver packages. They've been uh they've been showcasing more Ted Ginn out there. So I think that kind of hurts his value. I mean, if Snead's only going to be out there when they only run three wide receiver sets, um, you know, that just that kind of reverts him back to the same role that he's had in previous years. So what do you think of Willie Snead and who do you think is the, the, the definite number two in this offense, Ryan? I mean, Willie Snead deserves to be the number two. Right now, it's not him, though. It's Ted Ginn, which I don't really understand. I mean, we know what Ted Ginn is. I mean, he's... He's okay. He's like your average receiver. I think Willie Sneed is much better. It'd be a shame if they only play him in like the slot or like three wide receiver, four wide receiver sets. Um, we're we're gonna have to see if Willie Sneed can overtake that wide receiver two job, which he should. I think he can be a fantastic option. I think Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed can challenge the likes of like Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant. Like I think they're going to be that great of a combo just because Drew Brees is going to air it out like 40, 45 times a game. So I, I think that he is a very, very high ceiling. Totally agree. All right. So let's talk about the running game. So Mark Egram last year, 1,043 yards, 5.1 yards per carry, six touchdowns in the passing game, 46 receptions, 319 yards and four touchdowns. You know, he finished eighth in scoring despite losing many touches to Tim Hightower and he also always had the fear of getting benched by Sean Payton, who will just bench him for even a, a, a like a fumble that wasn't even his fault. So, you know, I think this offense puts up so many points that even if he gets in kind of a semi-running back committee, I still think he can put up good RB2 production. But I feel, I do think there is decent risk that Peterson can take away the goal line work or early down work. But I think there's also equally uh, equally equally as likely chance that 
the 32-year-old Peterson just can't run as, as well as he used to. So what do you think about Mark Ingram? And are you worried that Adrian Peterson will cut into his workload? Um, a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm so confused about the Adrian Peterson signing because if you look at him and Ingram, they're basically the same style of running back. I don't really understand why you need two. Um, especially, I guess, I guess if they do a committee, but you're going to have the same running back out there. I don't really understand this. I think Mark Ingram, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to really put my faith in him just because, like you said, Sean Payton will bench him just for anything. We saw him lose touches to, to Tim Hightower, who came out of nowhere. I don't even remember like when Tim Hightower was drafted or anything. But And then we also have Alvin Kamara, who they drafted in the third round. So that just shows you how much faith they have in Mark Ingram. I, I think that Mark Ingram is a good running back, and we've seen flashes of just borderline running back one potential from him. But I don't know if it's going to come out this year, especially with so much talent behind him. Yeah, I mean, it is yeah, that is a good point that they are a pretty similar style running back. They're just it's a very clear sign that they just do not like Mark Ingram or for whatever reason. So let's do talk about Adrian Peterson really quick. Like I said, he's going to be 32 years old. He's going to be playing in an offense that I think he'll enjoy just because they are they are also exceptionally deadly in the air, which will keep men out of the box, which is what plagued him so much in Minnesota. Um, I think if he can stay healthy and he doesn't show a sign of age, he should have good scoring chances each week. Um, personally, I kind of prefer running backs that are much younger with a better pass catching ability. But in you know in non PPR leagues, you know where touchdowns are very uh, have a lot of emphasis. I think he can be a good running back to pick up that'll have a decent scoring chance week in and week out, assuming his health stays. But, you know, this Saints offense, man, is going to ha- is a great stock to have a piece of. But I like him around running back 27 or so, maybe 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 a little later, just because at that age, you know, just even when he came back with Minnesota, he did not look that good. So not sure. But what do you think about AP all day? Right. Uh, I actually, I, I'm going to take a counterpoint. I actually kind of like that he is going to be in like a, a second role or running back by committee because he is 32. Like you said, his body cannot take the punishment that he used to in Minnesota. I think this is actually going to be good. He's going to come to games fresh, not being pounded into the ground week after week after week. I think this may actually give him like a decent chance. I, he's going to have a better year than we saw at Minnesota, even with the reduced carries, in my opinion. It just depends on how how much time time is he going to see like that's about it all right so my prediction for this team is eight and eight um i think it's really just comes down to the defense that just could not seal games for them and it's going to make the offense push so hard so you know if they can ever get a defense going they could honestly probably be super bowl caliber again but what do you think of the the saints season this year ryan uh yeah, I I'll go eight and eight, maybe maybe nine and seven if Drew Brees is just on fire. Like I'm just looking, I'm just looking at this defense, and the only person that just I know is Kenny Vaccaro, and every outside like that, all these names are like I have no clue who they are. They're just throwing anybody out there and seeing if they can stick. Yeah. All right. So last team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who went nine and seven last year. They had first round pick OJ Howard tight end out of Alabama. They had Deshaun Jackson in the offseason. So let's talk about Jameis Winston, famous Jameis Crablegs himself, who last year threw for 4,090 yards, completed 60.8% of his passes threw 28 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. Also added in 165 rush yards and one touchdown. So Crab Legs finished 16th in quarterback scoring last year. I think he's a candidate to take a big step forward like some other guys have mentioned, like Mariota. Um, I think the additions of Deshaun Jackson and O.J. Howard should give him plenty of weapons that he needs in this offense, and I think they can put up a good amount of points this year. 
I think, but his struggles with turnovers and bad decisions make him very risky. I mean, you know, just when I was like writing him up, watching him play against uh, the Jaguars, you know, just when he looked good, sure enough, he gets, he's about to get sacked and he can't even see his wide receivers anymore. And he just throws the ball into the end zone and it's easily intercepted. And if it wasn't for the ref uh, saying that it was like incomplete or like a penalty and they couldn't review, they like overturned it. But if it wasn't for that, it was just a stupid, dumb play. Um, which, you know, reminds everybody that, you know, he still has a lot of room to grow as a decision maker. So personally, I like uh, Winston as quarterback 14, but I do think he has a decent shot at maybe like literally quarterback 10 as like an outside chance at a top 10 season. So what do you think about Crab Legs this year, Ryan? Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, I think he's going to take a step forward. Um, his receiving core is better. I like Deshaun Watt, J- Deshaun Jackson. Um, it's just because that he's a he's like a better younger V Jackson. That's awesome to have. Um, also, you have OJ Howard who may help out. Although they had Austin Safarian Jenkins, who I really love. They drafted him in the second round, and he didn't really do much. But Jameis Winston, yeah, I could I could see him being the 10th best quarterback, I would probably leave him on your waiver wire unless you're like in a super deep league or like a two quarterback league. Um, I think you should just try to ride his hot hand, ride the matchups, but I don't, I would not feel confident if he, if I started him every single week. All right. So let's talk about his main receiving option. Mike Evans last year, 96 receptions, 1,321 yards and 12 touchdowns. He finished third in wide receiver scoring only behind only behind uh, Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, I believe. And he was only 3.2 points behind Antonio Brown at first. So he was very close. He also led the league in targets. I think there are some changes uh, that, that are coming to the Bucks offense that make them want to run the ball more and uh, kind of, you know, just avoid a lot of decisions for Jameis. Um, I think the addition, though, of Deshaun Jackson and OJ Howard should all lower the t- t- target count as well for Mike Evans. But you could also argue that it'll make the offense more efficient. You know, you can think that Deshaun Jackson, the defense won't be able to double Mike Evans anymore because they're going to have to keep an eye on um, D-Jax. So there's like, there's conflicting uh, theory, uh, you know, school of thoughts there. But I still think Evans should enjoy, you know, just this offense in general. I think he has great touchdown scoring ability. Uh, personally, I like him around wide receiver five or six. For me, it's about around a coin flick between him and A.J. Green. So what do you think of Mike Evans' season, and how high would you draft him? Oh, I love Mike Evans. And I think with the addition of Deshaun Jackson, who's like an actual like respectable wide receiver, the thing put opposite of Mike Evans, he's going to have an uptake in production. And if you match this with Winston's improvements, I think he may have a better year. I think this guy could break into like the top three and challenge Julio and Antonio Brown for like being the best fantasy wide receiver. Definitely possible. All right, so let's talk about the new addition to Sean Jackson. He put up 56 receptions, 1,005 yards, and four touchdowns in his last season with Washington. You know, he's always going to have health issues. He's usually a bet to miss a game or two each season, but he's one of the elite deep threats in the league. But it's just hard to trust him week in and week out because of his need of a big play or a touchdown. You know, he only caught six or more balls in two games last season. I think he's really more of a good NFL addition for the Buccaneers than he is really a fantasy starter that you can count on. But, and, you know, in DFS and DraftKings, I think he's like a great uh, value pick that you can have, who can have some monster weeks uh, some weeks. So 
What do you think about the addition of Deshaun Jackson for this offense? Brian? I mean, like I said earlier, this is just a better D- VJAX. And if anybody remembers, like whenever VJAX was playing, he would either score you two points or he'd score you 27. And I think Deshaun Jackson is going to be the exact same. Maybe you will replace the two with maybe four points as a floor and maybe the ceiling is like 30. But I mean, you just don't know what week that's going to be. Um, he's not a good possession receiver. He's probably only going to get five to six receptions a game, like you said. They will be probably for like large gains, but it's just, uh, it's just too hit or miss to trust. Definitely. All right. So my prediction for this. Oh, sorry. We, let's go through the running game. So Doug Martin, Dougie Martin. Last year, he tore his hamstring and he got a suspension over PEDs, which led to really just a disaster of a 2016 season. He enters 2000 still, 2017 still having to complete three games left at that uh, four-game suspension. You know, he has looked very good in the preseason, and he said he knows that this is likely his last shot to prove he's still a capable running back. He knows he has a very short leash. You know, assuming he can stay healthy and not earn any more suspensions, I like his chances of having a bounce-back season. And I think this offense can put up some points. Personally, I draft him around running back 25, and I'd also uh, definitely pick up Jaquiz Rogers, who will stand in his place until he uh, comes back from the suspension. So I think uh, that's a good one-two guy, to, uh, both guys to draft, so that way you definitely have a starter out of the two, even if Doug Martin does injure himself later down the road. So what do you think about Doug Martin's chances of having a bounce-back season this year? Ryan? Oh, man, ever since I drafted Doug Martin like three years ago with like the third or fourth overall pick in fantasy, I think I just ruined this guy's career because he has not been able to perform like he was whenever he was like, what What do they call him, the something hamster or whatever. But, I mean, I just don't know what it is. How can you go from being a Pro Bowl caliber running back to like what we saw in the past two years? Hopefully it is a bounce-back. I mean, this is his last chance. If not, he is going to fall into like a backup backup role on some like team and never see the field ever again. So this is his last shot. But I will also have to say that he may be the 25th best running back, but he is serving a suspension this year. So that's going to have an impact on, on his production. And I don't know, Jaquiz Rogers, I, I I've seen him perform before. I don't think he's going to steal the job, but with the Buccaneers, like their running situation is insane. I sometimes Charles Sims will sneak in there. It's just, I, I don't trust him yeah, too much. Yeah. Yeah, Charles Charles Sims is also competing for the passing down work too. So my prediction for this team is nine and seven. I think you know the record is the same as last year, but I think they're going to improve a lot, um, which you might not see in the record. But I think I expect Winston to take a big step up um, and possibly get into that next tier of quarterbacks. So what do you think of the Bucks' chances this year, Ryan, of making a playoff spot? And what do you think the record uh, will be? I would say nine and seven, but since they're on hard knocks this year, I'll give them the hard knocks bump and I'll put them at ten and six. Um, this is the best Buccaneers team that we've seen in a while. Um, I think they've upgraded a lot in their receiving options. The addition of OJ Howard's pretty awesome. Their defense has always been pretty solid, like above average. If they can get any semblance of a run game, this can be a really good team. I totally agree. All right. So that was it for the division breakdowns. I hope everyone enjoyed them. Personally, it gave me a lot of insight into how each team is uh, has uh, changed from last season to this season. Hopefully, everyone's ready for the fantasy football season, which starts one week from today with the Chiefs versus the uh, Patriots. So, all right. So just really quick, we're going to give some updates on some players that we've talked about some before, some suspensions, some uh, just uh, uh, situations that we uh, – 
didn't really have clarity on. So the first one I'll talk about is Blake Bortles, who was named the starter. You know, he's looked a lot better since. I think personally his confidence was just shot. Um, you know, he he was competing with the job with Henny. He got he got benched for Henny. They had to come out. Uh, and Chad Henny was named the starter. You know, he's uh, apparently he looked a lot better in practice after he's named the starter. But what do you think of Bortles? Really, just all we need to know is can he get the ball to Allen Robinson? So, what do you think his chances are of doing that this uh, year? Ryan? I mean, honestly, I I was just in an auction league and I got Allen Robinson for ten dollars out of a two hundred dollar budget, which means that people are so low on the Jags right now. I think. Allen Robinson at this point, if he's falling that far, he's definitely a steal. Um, Blake Bortles, I mean, we're not totally sure what he is yet. He's still a very young quarterback. Um, he's had some ups and downs, but we've seen flashes of like good quarterback. It just really depends on what Blake Bortles we see this year. No kidding. Yeah, I I think it really has to do with everyone saw that game on Monday night. You see Bortles overthrowing you know, A-Rob by 10 yards, one hopping it into the dirt. So another thing I want to talk about, a quick update is on the Zeke suspension. So according to Adam Schefter, there's a real chance it's uh, reduced. Harold Henderson, the appeals officer in the hearing, is apparently under a lot of pressure to have a decision by Monday. And there already is this report uh, that, according to a source, that one of the NFL investigators said that she would not have disciplined Zeke at all if it was uh, solely up to her. So what do you think about these updates for Zeke's suspension? And, uh, you know, if it's reduced by a game or two, how much more likely does it make you to draft him earlier in uh, the, the draft, Ryan? Um, you see, the the thing is that this is all has to go through the commissioner. So it's really up to Goodell. What, what does he think? I think he's come down very hard on this entire domestic abuse thing. Um, I don't know if you're going to get him to budge on this. And I think in the end, he's going to have the most say about this. Um it really just depends. If if he can get his suspension reduced, even if it's a game, that's going to be huge. Because um, since the Cowboys have their bye week on uh, in week is it seven or eight? It's uh, I think it's week, week six. six. It's yeah, week okay. six. So yeah, you wouldn't get a yeah. uh, Zeke back until week seven or eight. So I think if they can even reduce yeah. that and get him back before the bye, that'd be huge for fantasy. So you don't lose out on all that production and have to worry about fillers. Um, I definitely think. It would move him up um, at least a round or two. I would still be very skeptical to take him until we hear the news um, if it gets reduced. Although all the reports have been saying that there is a good chance that it will get reduced. All right. So a couple other things. We're just going to go uh, quick rapid fire. Saw this that Jarvis Landry is also under investigation involving domestic abuse with his girlfriend. So, you know, personally, I'd already kind of had his stock going down uh, just because Jay Cutler's uh, shown how much he likes Devontae Parker and not Jarvis Landry. Um, just so, so I kind of like had already like put his uh, put his spot a little lower than it started off with. So just something to keep an eye on. The other, the main thing I wanted uh, to ask you about is so Pete Carroll comes out and says that he p- considers both Thomas Rawls and Eddie Lacy starters. You know, you know, to if they if if he thinks that they're co-starters, uh, and they've kind of been named that, I think it really hurts both their value. And you know, at this point, I would probably take the one that's going later in drafts, uh, which is Thomas Rawls, and kind of just hope he ends up on top. But honestly, I kind of want to stay away from this entire situation. So, who would you pick out of Thomas Rawls or Eddie Lacy? And uh, you know, who do you think wins the job? Honestly, uh, yeah, I, I would probably go Rawls just because it's like investing less into the pick. 
Um, my thing about this whole muddied situation is they're not both like great receiving running backs. So I think CJ Procise is going to get a lot of the receptions out of the backfield still. But I mean, it just really depends. I mean, it's just going to come down to who wins the job. And if you pick the wrong one, you probably pick the wrong one. And that may have been a waste of a pick. But if you're going to do it, definitely go Rawls just because you're investing a lot less. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, so let's talk about uh, some big injuries that happened in the uh, last week that we haven't talked about yet. The first one, Julian Edelman, who tore his ACL and he's done for a year. You know, it's kind of a mystery to see how the Patriots will attempt to replace his role. Something Chris Hogan will be the main beneficiary, and Brandon Cooks will just going to have a monster season. Others think that the Patriots are going to change their offense a lot and use more two tight end packages and let their running backs kind of fill that void. Uh, in that case, I think Deion Lewis and James White would be the main uh, beneficiaries of that. But still, I think Chris Hogan is a uh, should be owned and uh, drafted and picked up in all like deeper leagues and PPR leagues, and you know definitely owned. Uh, but he's kind of a bigger, more down the field receiver though. So I I think the second option, you know, where they use more two tight end packages and running backs, is a little bit more likely. But you know, what are your thoughts on the uh, you know? Uh, this Julian Edelman injury, and how do you think the Patriots try to solve it? Uh, yeah, it's actually crazy. I was looking at uh, CBS's uh, fantasy like rankings and where people are going in drafts, and once they announced um, the injury, Chris Hogan shot up 188 spots. It's just like insane. Like people are buying into it so much. I would probably step on the brakes a little bit. Um, this is this is the Patriots. They can throw to anyone. I remember whenever Brandon LaFell was getting a ton of receptions. They still have Danny Amendola on the team, so I think maybe he can get back in the spotlight. He's not going to have like a just an awesome career year, but I still think that he's going to take away some of the potential away from Chris Hogan. Um, I don't I don't really know. I think I would take a flyer on Chris Hogan as long as you're not investing too high of a pick or spending too much in auction draft. But I, I think there is potential for a breakout. I don't. Maybe they get like Lewis or White more involved in in the passing game. I I just don't know. It's the Patriots. No one knows. Yeah, it is the Patriots. So let's talk about Spencer Ware, who tore his PCL and he's done for the season. You know, before the injury, Spencer Ware was already competing and getting pushed pretty hard for the starting job by Kareem Hunt. Now that Hunt steps into the starting role, I don't think he's going to have a lot of competition from Charkandrick West or. And I think Andy Reid's offense has shown to produce many great running backs. I personally like Kareem Hunt as high as running back 12. I think he's going to have a great season. I like this offense. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. And I like running backs with Andy Reid. So what do you think about Kareem Hunt's chances of uh, a really good season in this Andy Reid offense? Yeah, outside of Joe Mixon, it was between him and Kareem Hunt for like, who is going to be my favorite like sleeper rookie candidate just to have a breakout year. And now I think it has to be Hunt. I mean, as long as he doesn't perform like Charkandic West, as long as he's just slightly better, which isn't that hard to do, he's going to keep this job. And in the run-heavy offense of Andy Reid, he's going to have a ton of success. I can see maybe 1,100, 1,200 yards out of this guy. Um, and then I don't think that uh, Sharkandrick West will even challenge him. They don't let uh, Alex Smith throw that much. This is a run-heavy offense. If you can get him, I think that he will do wonders for your team. All right, so last one I want to talk about is Cam Meredith, who tore his ACL and he's done for the season. You know, this offense really only had two real fantasy players in it. Now that's lost one, it's kind of getting close to one of those, you know, fantasy wasteland situation. You know, it's either going to be Kevin White or Kendall Wright who fills the role. Kevin White has reportedly just looked really slow. Um, he struggled to regain his speed after injuring his leg. 
I think Kendall Wright is maybe the more experienced veteran who has a better chance of stepping up. But do you think any of these guys will really uh, be able to produce a significant role in this offense that you would be, wor- uh, you know, convinced in starting any weeks? Uh, Kevin White, we're still not totally sure what he is. He just hasn't been healthy since he's been drafted. And I'm so happy that the Jets passed on him that year. I was a huge Kevin White fan whenever he was coming out of college. And ever since he hit the NFL, he's just kind of been a bust. So we don't really know what he is. I He may have some potential, but I'd probably lean towards Kendall Wright. I mean, this dude can catch passes from anyone. I remember whenever he was the number one receiving option for the Titans and he would still put up consistent years like 800 900 yard years and um we don't know what Trubisky is like I honestly can't give you a good assessment of him right now but if I had to pick one it'd be Kendall Wright for sure all right so that's enough NML just a quick remember uh, reminder to join the eliminator challenge uh see how well you can compete against us in football just quickly search on Google ESPN Eliminator Challenge Finest with the group name the BBB Podcast. There's no passwords. So you can join uh, with, you know, just very easily. All right. So really quick, just want to give a quick update of some basketball with the Kyrie trade. You know, the Cavs apparently did not like the assessment of IT when they gave him the physical. Um, they said that they thought the, that his hip is a lot worse than they expected. And they told Boston that they were going to need more for the trade to go through both teams obviously had a lot on the line and if the trade fell through they would lose a lot of face so cleveland originally asked for another first but they settled on a 2020 second round pick that boston acquired from miami you know this does raise some question on how bad it's hip really is or if the Cavs might have had a biased approach to it when evaluating it knowing that they could try to get even more uh knowing that they had also had already squeezed Boston already for a lot of um, assets. So what are your uh, what are your thoughts on this trade, Ryan? And who do you think wins? And uh, what do you think uh, – how bad do you think IT's hip actually might be? Uh, I, would, I would say that the Cavs definitely won. Um, I think it was kind of insulting whenever they were asking for another asset right whenever they had them by the balls. I think they were asking for uh, – was it Tatum or who was their pick – two years ago or last year and anyways whoever they selected last year but i think that was just kind of a dick move just to ask so much for that they already won this trade i mean they're getting all the assets and they're only giving away Kyrie irving which i think it can replace him honestly um i don't i wouldn't look into the hip issue that much he did play a long season i mean the celtics made it pretty deep in the playoffs that's gonna happen that's just normal wear and tear give him the offseason let him rest up a little bit he'll be fine he'll be fine but I think the Cavs definitely won this trade just because of all the stuff they've just collected from this. All right. So before we get out of here, Ryan, let's give some quick college football thoughts. It's underway right now as we're speaking. We're watching Ohio State play Indiana. So, Ryan, who do you think will be the national champion? And what do you think of our old alma mater? Uh, what do you think of their season and how uh, what their record is? Uh, so as far as the national championship, I I'm not totally sure. I'm watching this Ohio State game right now, and Indiana, all they they kept it really close, and they are not going to be a good team. Um, also, JT Barrett hasn't even been playing for like seven years. I feel like it was like Troy Smith, and then right after him it was JT Barrett. Whatever, maybe not. But um, I think Alabama is going to challenge. Uh, we're we're gonna have to see in that FSU Alabama game. That is gonna be an amazing, probably the best start to college football ever, ever in my lifetime at least that I've seen. It's gonna be uh, I, I would say Alabama, FSU, Ohio State, and I'm gonna sneak in Penn State this year. I think they have a really good shot to contend. All right, so I personally have the Longhorns going a nine and three. Um, I believe 
they're going to have a better season. I like Coach uh, Tom Herman. As far as the national, you know, it's it's kind of tempting to pick Ohio State now. Now that they're playing right in front of us, just to see them come back. Uh, the you know they they were down by one uh, going into the third quarter, and they're already up like twenty one points. Every time I keep looking over at the TV, I just see one of the Ohio State players running down the field. So, but I will go ahead and stick with old Nick Saban. Um, Saint Nick's just really got this. Uh, you know the SEC. You know, just under lock at this point. So I, I'm going to go ahead and pick the. Uh, Tim Crimson Tide to uh, win the championship this year. All right, Ryan, before we get out of here, anything else oh, you yeah, want to talk about? I didn't about? get my Texas prediction. Uh, I am not going to say 9-3. I think uh, Tom Herman got a lot of us UT fans a little too riled up. I think a 7-5 and five and 8-4 and four season, we're, we're definitely going to improve. I like Herman. I like how offensive-minded he is. We're definitely going to air it out a little more this year. Uh, hopefully, Bouchelle will actually be able to. If not, we have Ellinger in the wings. Um, I think this Maryland game is going to be a huge testament to what type of football team we are just because Tom Herman is so offensive minded and uh, DJ Durkin for Maryland is so defensive minded. It's really going to see that if Tom Herman can like push the button against a defensive minded team. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, I say eight and four. I'll be optimistic. All right, I like it. All right, so for Ryan, for Joey, sorry we couldn't have Siva on today. Uh, really quick, remember to follow on iTunes at the BBB Podcast, on Twitter at the BBB Pod, slap a big old fat five star review uh, on iTunes. For Ryan, for Joey, have a good day, folks.